Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download here in the Bojangles studio. We got a great guest coming on today. Ray Evernham is coming by to tell us all about this new book that he wrote, Trophies and Scars. Uh, he gets real honest in this book about his life, and we're going to talk about some of those stories and everything else that he's been up to since he was on the show last. So let's get started. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you, you know, you got to act quick. Yes. And when you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system. And there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Won a record 49 races in the 90s. He brought the Dodge back in the 2000s. And he revolutionized the pit stop. Now let's talk to the crew chief, Ray Evernham, on the Dale Jr. download. All right, welcome back again. Uh, it's going to be a great show. I've wanted to have Ray come back on uh, for some time um, to talk about, obviously, this book that he's wrote and a lot of honest you know, opinions about his life, um, setting the record straight on some things, and uh, we're going to hear all about that. But also the SRX, you know, what happened there? Um, Ray's been, you know, very uh, limited on information about what went down. He's, he's definitely wanting to share what his opinion is of, of that whole situation. And he has, you know, wore this hat here, IROC hat, because he's starting the IROC back up. What does that even mean? 
I haven't heard from Ray on exactly what his vision is. So we'll get to talk about that with Ray when we bring him in here. I want to thank Ally for um, sponsoring the guest segment and bringing us all our great guests like Ray to the show. Ally is such a great supporter of the Dale Jr. Download, but also all things racing. Like they're doing so much in the NASCAR industry um, to not only being a primary sponsor on Bowman's car, running ads um, throughout our broadcasts, but um, doing all kinds of great, unique things within the sport that I love. So thank you, Ally. It's awesome to always have an Ally in your corner, and they're a great one for us here at the Dale Jr. Download. So let's get Ray in the room, and let's get this started. New old stock. New old stock. Good to see you. I like that hat. Yeah. <laughs> Figured I'd wear it today. Perfect. Ray comes in. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. I'm doing Ray, good. Ray walks into the studio and hands me a uh, die-cast IROC car. New old stock. This is old. This is original. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking like maybe 87, something like that. But um, where did this come from? So when, when we announced that we had got the IROC marks and we're gathering stuff. A yeah. lot of fans are, are right there said, hey, you know, a guy sent us a whole case of the, he said, I got some old stuff, want you guys to have it so you could use it. So uh, that's insane. We brought one for you very, because we very, got very some cool, cool stuff around. Yeah, I love that. All right, man. Well, Ray, I'm glad you're here. Um, looking forward to getting uh, your opinion on some of the things going on in the sport. But first off, um, just fresh off the Daytona 500, did you pay attention to what was going on over oh, I there? I did. I, I did. And, uh, you know, big big weekend for Hendrick Motorsports, yeah. as you know, for Mr. Hendrick, 40 years. And uh, so the, to see the 24 on the 24 and, yeah. and see how happy they were, you look at how long Rick Hendrick and Linda Hendrick have been doing this. And last night meant a lot to them. You could see it on their face. Yeah, I was surprised they all came out across the – the grass or uh out toward uh, william at the car that's how you celebrate right you kind of make it your own um a lot of i know william's going to do the front straightaway interview and the burnout or anything else he wants to do but at daytona man you take it in you allow the team to come out there and celebrate with you in that moment before you go to victory lane right and have the more proper celebration uh, so that was kind of cool seeing them all out there uh right around his front straightaway interview well and you and you know you, you know what it feels like when when that checkered flag falls at that place, and you know you've won that, yeah, man, that's it's like all of a sudden you know you're you're, you're a stock car racer. Yeah. You know William Byron, you know, and you know it's he's going to go on and do tremendous things, but that will be he'll remember that one forever. Yeah, you'll see. Um, I know he will because he'll see he'll see it images and, and, and video for the rest of his life, right? Moment when we come back to Daytona, they'll have, you know, promo reels and all types of things and they'll drop that little nugget in there and his his celebration or an image of him in victory lane. And so the rest I told him after the race, I said, Forever a five hundred champion because the rest of your life you'll be recognized and, and see those, you know, see be reminded by that moment. One of the reasons why you're here today is because you just recently released a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and you told me that it's an autobiography uh, called Trophies and Scars. Um, and you told me repeatedly, you're like, man, this is the most honest um, version of my life that I could possibly give. What was the 
what was the reason behind doing a book now? Uh, I feel like I wanted my family, my children, um, and the people who are close to me and the, the people who have helped me along the way that really didn't get to take that journey uh, with me. But if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have made all those steps in the journey. I wanted them to know really who, who, who I am, who they helped me become, and what I was thinking, and know that I was evolving with each step, right? I'm not the same person I was if you raced against me 40 or 50 years ago. But, you know, I met so many people along the way that have taught me so many things. And, you know, it's just like that old Willie, Willie Nelson song, you know, I got a long list of reasons for all the things I've done. And, and I just wanted those people to know that they made a difference. And I wanted my, my family to really understand what I was thinking when I wasn't with them. Yeah. What was some of the, um, what were some of the more, uh, what were some of the moments in the book that you wrote about that were a relief, right? To get off your, so I've had an opportunity myself, uh, to do this, uh, and, and, and put some of my experiences in 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 a in a public forum and there is moments where you're like man I can't wait for people to read this part uh because it will ex- either explain a lot or it's you're able to get something off your chest that you've been harboring or something that's bothered you uh and and so what what is a moment or some moments where you're like man this is important for me to share I think some of it in the early days when I didn't know how much I didn't know, it was, you know, I was always making excuses about why I was getting beat or, you know, why, what, and, and I had a realization when I had that fire at Martinsville and had to race uh, Tony Siscone the next year, 1983, and Tony, you know, fantastic guy, you know, and, and. What happened in that bit? Uh, in. Halloween day, 1982, we're at Cardinal 500, you know, they used to run modifieds and late models. Yes. Well, you know, we, we kept blowing tires out and, and uh, hit the wall and Tony hit me in, in the back. Didn't see me. Another car was right in front of me. Big fire, big fire. And Tony got burned bad. I got burned. He got burned, but he got burned bad with his hands and whatnot. And, you know, we both came back to race 1983. We go at wall stadium and Tony's got his hands are burned horribly. He can barely do anything but hold the steering wheel right and the championship comes down to me and him last night we're racing for the 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 championship and 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 he beat me and i never forgot that because i thought here's a guy that i always thought oh he had the best cars he had life easy he had all he had all these things going for him that's why he beat me all the time and i realized no he beat me because he he really wanted it, and, 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 and he wasn't out partying and drinking, you know, and carrying on and working on the car half-assed like I was a, a lot. And right then and there, I decided I needed to go and, and make sure I could do this, find out how to do it. And that's when I, that's when I left racing full-time and went to IROC. And that was a huge uh, turning point in my life. And the other thing that I really get into is the day that I left Hendrick, which was incredibly hard for me, I don't think a lot of people really understood what I was going through there, but I was really honest uh, about that stuff. And you look back and think, man, are there things I could have handled differently or what was I feeling or what would have really worked out? And, and uh, so th- those two things in the book are, are really honest and, and, and changed my direction of life. Is there a um, – so thinking – that makes me wonder is – so let's, for example, take the, the, the Hendrick, uh, the day you left Hendrick. Is there a person – in that experience that you hope reads the book and 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 fi- maybe maybe can 
mend fences or or someone might say you're, you're hoping that a specific person reads this and goes man i'm really glad i, I i'm really glad I, I learned this right now i see this from his perspective i didn't know that ray felt this way is there a specific person well it's funny you should ask that because you know jeff gordon and i had never really had that conversation really really we we talk you know you talk on surface and stuff and yeah. everybody's always a little bit protective but I talked to him about what I was feeling. I showed him the chapter, and you know he's like, "Man, I didn't know." And uh, and so I'm I'm glad it was him, and and I'm hoping that that Rick uh, takes you know reads it and, yeah. and understands it. And but really everybody at Motorsports because I want them to know how that felt. And I think you go through that sometimes with family when you you know you have to make a decision for yourself and you have to leave your family your friends or you do whatever and and it was a lot more like that because you know hendrick i look at that they're still my family right still family and i hope that everyone there it looks at least understands what i was thinking right or wrong you know because sometimes even even though as you explain it you you know you 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 got to make a decision and 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 move on but that that one hurt yeah and so that's interesting you and jeff when you decide to leave you and him did not communicate much about that decision and he was left to assume right or or and and then i'm sure um part of him was frustrated because of how successful y'all had been but also there was a bit there was a i I, from what i've read in the book there was a sense of y'all were at a crossroads right performance wise communication wise y'all were y'all weren't roses and rainbows and 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 winning 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 championship champion there was some some uh tug of war going on between the two of y'all correct yeah and and, you know we had grown right you know we talk about how people evolve and when i met jeff he was 18 years old and he needed you know the the kind of crew chief that i was you know about this and that not i didn't really tell him how to drive but i you know talked to him on the car talked about this this and this you know and Man, he, he was already three-time champion and won it. At that time, he was one of the biggest names in, in their sports. You know, it was him and your dad, right? That yeah. was it, right? And then yeah. they were they were the guys. And, and he, you know, it just didn't fit what he needed anymore. And, and I didn't how? know how to do anything else, you know? So that's so interesting to me because I feel like that Jimmy and Chad sort of got to the same place. Mm-hmm. And um, Jimmy and I talked a little bit one time, and he's like, I'm thinking about – splitting up and i'm like how many more years are you gonna run now i know jeff was young he had a lot of years left but i was thinking man you're why would you want if you're just gonna run a couple years why would you want to ruin this sort of dynasty that y'all are right just go through the next couple years arguing and fighting and just finish it right but how being so successful together um it's sort of similar to david pearson and the wood brothers right they could have figured that out Right, the split that I've I come to the realization that that split was unnecessary. Had they sat down mm-hmm. and and had a conversation, they likely would have continued to work together, um, at least for the for, for the remainder of that year. Uh, why do you feel like you know you're such you're you're this accomplished championship crew chief that everybody in the garage looks at and goes, this guy knows his stuff. I wish he was working on my car. How come you were no longer a fit? How could that possibly happen? Well, there were, 
and honestly, you, you know how this happens too. There were people in our lives on both sides that were kind of pulling us in, in different directions yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and talking to them, hey, this or that, yeah. or and, and that starts you thinking. And is that started us questioning uh, each other on, on what our priorities were or, or, or whatnot. And, and I think that once that crack opens, somebody opens that crack, yeah. and you gotta remember how fast everything happened for us too. You know, I tell everybody, look, I went from laying on my back at Flemington changing gears in the dirt to cup champion in three years, yeah. you know? And, and I think that happened to Jeff too. And as I said, you know, there, you, you get a lot of people pulling you in different directions. And again, you continue to evolve. You, you continue to learn had we known now, you know, I, I think Rick, Rick Hendrick says no way, but I, I think that a milk and cookies could have fixed, could have fixed it. But I think I also Did think it? that, that maybe Rick learned that he, when Jimmy and Chad were talking about splitting, that hey, I need to get in and talk to these. Do you guys. think Rick wished he would have stepped in? Maybe have, you've had conversations with him. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, uh, you know, you, you can't have any more respect for anybody on the planet than I've could, for Rick Henry. Could I'd Rick have talked to you into staying? I think he could because I, he's one of the few people that I would have listened to that would have got me to think about the right things at but that you, time. I'm saying. The Dodge deal, the opportunity that you had to create this magnificent, you know, organization, which it was, right? It became really an incredible thing. You think he could have convinced you to stick around for a while? I, I think he absolutely could have because Rick could have He's provided convincing. all those yeah. opportunities for me, and and the Dodge people were great to me because I don't I don't want to to think that hey that wasn't a great experience because right. it was. Great. I learned learned so much, learned so much, but but you know. You look back in in the end and think, okay, Rick could have provided those opportunities for me. He could have could have done it. But Rick will tell you, he's probably told you the same thing. Look, a good deal is a good deal for everybody. Worked out good for Hendrick because it, it it actually I think in some ways showed them a path to grow and be stronger. And then it, it let me expand and grow and be stronger because when you jump into a deal like that, you don't know how much you don't know. And I'm gonna tell you, when I jumped into being a car owner, it's like, yeah. I'm just going to be a crew chief and just I'm just own everything. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. know, it doesn't work that way. But, you know, it uh, the good news is it 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 turned out really good and I think it's actually made Jeff and I and Rick Hendrick closer. How did you and Jeff start the conversation of uh, you know, coming coming to terms with it? When did that begin? Oh, uh, you know, we didn't really um talk that well until you know we started when i went back to hendrick in 14 15 we started you know working together a little yeah. bit again and and i was enjoying it it, w it was good uh you know w working with with them but i really think that the the, the nascar hall of fame brought us together uh, a lot because it, you have time you're reflecting on your career and, and you realize how important he was to me and i was to him and and he went out of the out of his way uh for his hall of fame induction to make me feel like part of his family and uh that's a big deal big deal it was a, it's, it's a really big deal yeah and uh and i think right then and there we were just back like brothers talking about the evolution of as a crew chief laying in the dirt changing gears and, and a championship crew chief three years later um I'm fascinated by when you think about I I've been able to watch um, Chad Knauss sort of have a similar experience. A lot of crew chiefs do this, right? You look at these guys and you think about where they came from. Um, how how do you evolve from 
uh, journeyman, you know, working his tail off, modified guy. Going, you know, you 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 go through IROC, you know, working with Kawiki for a little while, very short period of time, then Dave Marcus and different things, right? Doing all sorts of stuff. How does that guy turn into somebody who is prominent, iconic, well respected in in like take yourself back to your peak in the cup garage as a crew chief for Jeff Gordon? You're orchestrating this organization this team into a championship team you're you know you're 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 um in control of jeff gordon who's uh an incredible talent and from the exterior you look like a guy who is um who has who knows exactly how he how he prepared exactly what his next step is exactly ready for anything that's coming at him every you know you 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 carried yourself with such confidence right but you you weren't that person three years ago how did that happen how does that happen for anybody i see this all the time where it's it's almost impossible to really scout that position you can't see uh, no one was able to really look at you in the dirt at Flemington and see that leadership quality or that potential to be that guy you became. How does that happen? I always tell everybody, look, look, I, I'm I'm kind of the Forrest Gump of motorsports, right? Where yeah. sometimes you just end up in the right place at the right time, and and you you're you're challenged with something that you didn't even know you could do, you know. And they always say that you don't really know what you can do until you have to do it, but. I was very, very fortunate throughout my career to be around some fantastic people. And I mean some good local racers in New Jersey like like Gil Hearn and people like that, you know, that, that had a lot of wisdom, but they, they were there. Richie Evans and, you know, raced with a lot of those guys and, and watched them. And then my years at Roger Penske. You know, Penske, you're, you're, when you grow up in the Penske culture, you're learning stuff. You don't even know that you're learning it, right? And, and then through Jay Signori and IROC and all that had prepared me, and I went, to try and go back racing and I get hurt and I got to get a job and I didn't even want to be the crew chief. You know, I'm, we had Wait, fun what? at Bill Davis. I did not want to be the crew chief. I told, you know, Rick Hendrick the first day and Rick will tell you this. What did you want? I wanted to be the chassis guy. I, I want to build cars and set the cars up. I told them they need to go hire Andy Petrie to be a crew chief. And Rick says, no, we're going to hire you to be the crew chief. Jeff wants you to be the crew chief. I said, I don't know how to be a crew chief. I've never been a crew chief. Hire Andy Petrie. And he said, no, you're going to be the crew chief. I said, I don't want to be the crew chief. He said, well, that's the only job we got take it or leave it no sh- yeah i was not but that you, you ask about that and it's because rick saw way more in me than i saw in myself yeah like he saw he said look when you go to the first race right or the test or whatever right and you're in that position i mean you've been in this job for a few months now but are you you know ex- from the on, from the outside looking in you 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 seem to be you you got the figure if you fit the mold you fit the template the creature template, but inside, are you scared to death? Scared to death. Scared to, I, my fingers, my finger used to shake like that when I went to push a radio <laughs> yes. button. I was like, yeah. I was scared to death. But you know, as a leader, you've got to exude confidence. Right. If you don't exude confidence. The team's not confident. The driver's not. How confident. did you figure that out? I read a lot of, you know, I read a lot of coaching books. You know, Vince Lombardi, and uh, you know, I honestly read Gibbs. Yeah. But I, I, I would watch films and then we would record like i would listen to what other crew chiefs said and watch how people people did and we studied and studied who did you pull from 
from crew chief yes. side of things, Jeff Hammond. Jeff Hammond, because Jeff Hammond was one of the best best guys that you could you could talk to on the radio. Jimmy Fennig helped me a lot. Robin Pemberton, Tony Glover, Andy Petrie, all those guys got behind me and taught me a lot. And we used to scan and, you know, of course, everybody's radios. And I would have a deal hooked on my radio where I could record what they were what they were saying. Hey, Andy, Andy and I had our own channel between the two of us when he was crew chief for your dad. And y'all would talk amongst each other? We'd talk amongst ourselves. Yep. Bull yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. That How long did truth. that happen? Um, Just it the, went on for two years, and then Andy, you know, went and got his own his own team, and yeah. I think we did it for one more year when he had Schrader. But no kidding. One hundred percent. Yes, Andy. We had the three and the twenty four were almost their own little teammates. <laughs> no one's gonna believe that. That's true. That that's one hundred percent true. Unbelievable. Yeah. I talked talk to Andy on the box about pitting, and he talked to me about this and that. There was a time in Charlotte, nineteen ninety four, October at Charlotte. I built the shocks for the three car. Bullshit. That's true. One hundred. I was a crew chief on the. I was a crew chief on the twenty four and built a set of shocks for the three car. Unreal. And then obviously y'all, you know, I think that's Jeff's rookie year, right? No, ninety three was our ninety three was rookie. Ninety four, we weren't going to win the championship, and I think your dad was in the battle with uh, with with Mark or yeah. or somebody, and and we were like, okay, well, here, here, no kidding, unbelievable. So that that's a great. That's a great thing to, to segue to because there's I know by talking to you you have you you really had a great opinion of my dad and y'all had a very very cool uh, level of respect um, and you know you he you asked for a uniform mm-hmm. to drive your you know race your modified a little bit and he gives you this this IROC uniform and you you've given me that uniform here recently and I'm very thankful um, there was a moment though. I mean, shortly after you built those shocks, that Jeff does become a championship contender. How do you shut off that, or how do you balance sort of that that relationship and and respect and and you you know you you know this guy right? You appreciate Dad, you like him, and and y'all are friendly. But then it gets once Jeff becomes a winner, you know the competitiveness and the you know, maybe even the friendliness kind of gets a little chilly at times. How did you balance that? Uh, you know, it, it was it wasn't that easy uh, emotionally, but professionally, you know, we we always got along. You know, we didn't try and do each other, you know, dirty. Andy and I got along, and a ton of respect for Richard Childress and that organization. You know, uh, Jeff and your daddy, they'd run into quite, run another quite a bit on the racetrack, even in practice and stuff. But that was up to them, you know. But with me, it was difficult. Because again, it happened so fast. Like here was a guy who was my hero, you know, on IROC and and all that stuff, and and you know he he'd watch watch me run my modified at Wilkesboro and 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 things like that, and and then man, you got to race this guy. But you also know that you also know that if you're going to be great, you got to go through this because there there's there was no way to win that championship other than going through a three car. Yeah, simple as that. They, they, and and. It was difficult for me sometimes to be as big a fan I was of 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 your dad's and and focus on on my job. But I also knew that I had a responsibility to Rick Hendrick, to Jeff Gordon, and and your your dad in some way would respect me more if 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 we could go toe to toe with him. Right. Right. Like if I could 
if I could get his respect that way, you know, he probably didn't like it on the days that we beat him, but I know that he respected my ability with the car, you know, and, and uh, through all that stuff, we only had one little run and he threatened to whip my ass one time after, after Bristol and, and, uh, and we had, we had a good talk up in the hall or there. <laughs> what happened? Pretty good. Uh, Jeff and him had tangled at Bristol and I was mad, you know, just being a fool, just stupid. And I run up in the three car truck and, you know, and, uh, he was gone already and, and, uh, yelled at his crew chief and they told him about it. So the next week, I think we we're Darlington, but you know how one and two used to park in the garage yeah. next to one another. Yeah, so he comes walking out there and, you know, he used to, how he'd get in that car, he'd walk up to the side where everybody else kind of climbing the window. Well, he just throws his leg over the thing. He just throws one leg over and get in the thing, sit on the door and he looked at the door and he says to me, I, I want to see you after practice. <laughs> and I thought to myself. Right. So after practice, I, I went back I, I back up in the truck and whatever. And Richard Childers pops his head out of the back of the three truck. And he says, Dale wants to see you. And I was like, Bleep. now I'm thinking to myself, man, I know what this is about. Right. So I walk in there and um, I had two shocks in my hand. And he walks in. He goes, you can hit me with them shocks. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I will if I have to. And he said, and he gives me a good talking to about, you don't ever run in my truck yelling at my people. You come and see me. And I said to him, and I thought, okay, this is a big turning point for me. Because if I just, yes, sir, and I sit down like a whoop dog, he's not ever going to respect me. Yeah. And I said, yes, sir. But I said, A, I did come to see you. You weren't there. Shouldn't have yelled at them people. I said, but if you got a problem with Jeff, take it out with Jeff. Don't run into my car on the racetrack because my guys have got to fix that thing. And, you know, what happened at Bristol just didn't need to happen. Don't yeah. remember the exact words. And he looked at me and said, all right, sit down. You know, we sat down and talked about that's when he was looking at hiring Steve Park and, and stuff like that. But that day, you know, again, you, you think about you're, you're sitting there. You're ready. I was ready to throw up. Right. I was ready to throw up. But I thought to myself, if I don't stand up and answer him like a man, he's never going to respect me. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy. And Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you, you know, you got to act quick. Yes. And when you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? Zip Recruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. If you collect diecast like I do, the beginning of the new NASCAR season, that's when you start thinking about what cars you want to add to the, your Lionel Racing diecast collection. Many of the sponsor changes and new paint schemes that have been unveiled so far are sure to make some great-looking diecast. I'm actually partial to the Chevrolet, of course, but Ford and Toyota, they'll have all new bodies on the track for the Cup Series this year. All these changes mean our friends at Lionel Racing 
the official diecast of NASCAR, they've been hard at work with the race teams to get those 2024 paint schemes into production. And each week, we're putting up the latest diecast for pre-order at LionelRacing.com. To kick off the 2024 NASCAR season, Lionel Racing has an exciting offer for race fans and diecast collectors. Order any diecast now at LionelRacing.com and you get free domestic shipping when you use this promo code, DOWNLOAD24. That's free shipping with the promo code DOWNLOAD24 at LionelRacing.com. I wanted to talk to you about your, um, Jeff Gordon uh, credits you with a lot of safety innovations. You know, you've obviously, like a lot of racers, myself included, uh, you've had your experiences with um, crashes and your own injuries. And Jeff says that all of that experience in your own career, even working on cars, other people's cars, you brought a lot of new innovation into his race cars that he credits with, uh, you know, prolonging his career and success. Um, I mean, are there specific safety innovations that you championed or brought into the, brought to the table? Well, I always tell everybody, you know, that that's how I got to be a good fabricator mechanic stuff. Cause I wasn't a very good driver and just wrecked a lot of shit, right? <laughs> so that's, that's like, getting, you know, just not, you're not good. I, and, uh, when, uh, when I saw Jeff Gordon drive, I thought, man, if I, I, could build a car that good i must be just a terrible driver you know but back in the in in the early days um and again learned a lot of this stuff i was very fortunate when you look at the champions that i worked with at iroc you know the the andretti's the foyers yes. the answers guys outside of nascar because indycar was a little bit ahead of safety wise you know the speeds and what they were running get to know some of those guys and and talked about belts and talked about seats and talked about different things so you know we we always tried to, to have um best we knew how the, the seats and leg supports shoulder supports and head supports things like that in jeff's car but we also i think one of the biggest things that we uh came up with and uh, gary Aker was heavily involved in this started to understand jeff's voice would change his attitude would change when we were at martinsville and we we realized that the carbon monoxide was really getting to these guys, wow. and uh, came up with this carbon monoxide scrubber. And I think a lot of a lot of the guys are using that fresh air system and 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 stuff now. Um, you know, I always thought about things like fire because of that fire that we had at Martinsville. Um, I remember seeing guys, uh, you know, like Daryl Davy when the roofs come off the cars and hands out. That so we started yeah. running roof nets and, uh-huh. and things like that to keep uh, hands inside the car. So wherever I saw a problem, I tried to think. You know, the worst thing could ever happen to me is if I built a car somebody got hurt in. Yeah. That's a that's a horrible that's a horrible feeling. I remember when first I rock car, weld all seats and belts and all that stuff. Neil Bonnet goes twenty feet in the air at Talladega, scared the hell out of me. I thought to myself, then I realized right then and there, if I'm responsible for this car, I'm responsible for that man's safety. Yeah. And uh, I always tried to think about that. Back in the IROC days, you'd have guys that would come race from different forms of motorsport that actually maybe not had ever sitting in that type of seat before or that type of harness, right? Um, how challenging was that to get those guys comfortable in a seat and, a, and, a, and not only just, you know, not, not talking about the specific car itself, the vehicle, but like the seat, the belts, you know, I'm certain that well, albeit similar, it's different from maybe the IndyCar seat and how they're used to those things working in the in the harness they had. Um, did you have guys that were like, uh, you know, that would ever look at the seat and the belts and stuff and go, man, is that, is that all we got? Or, um, <laughs> you know, that's so different. Were they, you know, being so different from what they're used to? 
Yeah, uh, quite a lot, you know, and, and, you know, we try and do something different for them, but, you know, build a frame for it. We we sometimes would just kind of either build or repair a seat, cut a seat, do something yeah. right then, but they were kind of, didn't have a lot of time to fit them in there, but it was it, it was funny. A lot of those guys come in and be like, what, you know, and then they'd go, well, I need a smaller steering wheel. Just, you got to get me a smaller steering wheel. So you get them a smaller steering wheel. They go out and practice, they come in and say, hey, give me that, the give base that steering big wheel steering back. wheel back, yeah. you know, but, you know, it they all drove so different yeah. you know that and that was the key and you know you, you look at guys there, there were only a few guys that could could do all the, the the stuff you know your your dad figured those cars out mark martin uh, figured them out yeah. alancer jr was the guy that could figure out everything he was, was the guy i was gonna ask you so you know you've seen a lot of different guys come into the iraq series back in the day who was the one that stood out that you thought man this guy could be a a, a stock car racer in nascar that was al jr yeah i, I think al, al jr did a al jr did a really really good job understanding the car you know from driving indy car so so different right so different but he understood that that stock car and yeah. he understood he understood what that radial tire did you know what to get on and on it off it all of that and he understood the air and that's something i couldn't figure out how he he figured that out pretty quick yeah i remember when they came um he came and ran uh daytona in a hendrick car um where you were you were yeah yeah, yeah. so he's uh valvoline number 46 it's a huge deal this um you know not only is it an any car driver coming in to run our our sport which rarely happened it's an it's an answer even as a child or, or even as a young boy um i guess i was uh maybe 20 or so 1920 then i was so hopeful for his success i i personally wanted him to come race stock cars because he's an answer yeah and he's al jr and uh i wanted that to go well for him do you remember much about that experience um i mean we know the result um, he had some, you know, moments of, of, of promise, and you could see where the potential was had he had he stuck with it. But um, do you remember, like, the excitement, I guess, around Hendrick Motorsports? Um, it was rare when that type of thing would happen inside an organization. Um, how, how, how was the buzz inside the building with Al Jr. coming to, you know, drive a one-off? Well, it was really, a, a, I think, a lot of fun. I think Waddell, I think Waddell m- might have been the, might have run that car for him. Uh, and so it was again really neat and things like that happen at hendrick motorsports because the stars want to come there if, if people you know everything aligns they they get it done but i had worked with al so much at iroc i was excited to see him come because i knew he could do it um if he wanted to stay doing it i yeah. also knew it was going to be tough at daytona 500 i wasn't involved a lot because i can't remember if that was our rookie year or, or it was either 93 or 94 right. it was it was early yep. so we were you know heck i was trying to figure it out myself you know all of a sudden having to work on the car where the fenders were important was pretty pretty new to me you know because at iroc they had fenders but everything was the same you yeah. know but but we were still learning all that but i got to spend time with al when when he came through there and that's you know i, I was fortunate enough to got to know a lot of of superstars that were at Hendrick, like Waddell. And, you know, your granddaddy used to come down and see me, and he had a lot of wisdom about stuff. And he was the guy I'd ask about questions on the body. How's this work? How's that work? Or why do you do this? Or why do you do that? As everybody else in the sport did at that time. But, you know, when you look back at, again, I keep saying the Forrest Gump of motorsports because here I am, this guy, but I get thrown into this this thing where you can't find better people to ask that are the people that were lined up to help me because yeah. Rick Hendricks said so. 
you talk about Waddell. Waddell's a guy that I'm trying to get on the show here this year. He has an incredible career. Um, what was it like working with him? What kind of character was he? He's still a character today, and he's sharp. And you got it. When he's on, you got to get him telling about the stories how how he didn't. You know, he almost didn't get hired at at Holman Moody and and whatnot. But they they had very little to work with compared to what we had yeah. right and they worked those guys worked i mean to work 18 hours a day was yeah. nothing back then but you realize guys were geniuses like Smokey eunuch banjo yep. matthews guys like that that never you know no real schooling no engineering any of that just figuring stuff out what else one of them guys i mean always look at something and and it just it comes to them and so in my mind i always imagined waddell is more of an a motor guy a power guy. Um, he, apparently, he was not that. Um, I never really, had, I never really personally, internally credited his uh, ability as a crew chief outside of the engine and power. Right. Um, so, where was his expertise? Uh, to me, his expertise will always be motor builder because yeah. when you look at the number of races he's won and the people that he had him like he, he'd have three or four motors in daytona 500 yeah and running one two three when he was at holman moody but he was really good about putting people together to his management leadership you know you know dispersing the responsibility and and the other thing that that i learned from watching him at hendrick his cleanliness and organization because that that actually gets in the head of your competition when your stuff's clean and neat and organized, you already have that appearance of you're buttoned up, and if they're not even a little bit, yeah. you know they're they're already they're already behind. And and his shop, his cars, his people, his uniforms. If you look at him today, he's always buttoned up. Man, you're credited by Jeff as well, uh, not only for the safety innovations that you uh, brought to his car, but the pit stop evolution. You know, a lot of people, uh, Jeff will say that you were one of the first guys to start considering the idea of athletes doing this job like it say it makes perfect sense today but for all for the first 50 or 60 years of nascar the road guys pitted the car all, you know all your mechanics those were the guys that were going to change the tires for the car when it came down pit road uh, but eventually um you know you're exhausting all these avenues of finding an advantage and you found a new one right on pit road and you're able to cut five seconds off of your pit stops by installing you know athletes trained athletes in these positions well the you know the leaders of the pit stop to me will always be the wood brothers you know the, the petties and the wood brothers they, they got that <clears throat> stuff early and you know again when we talk about history you look back at dale Inman and leonard wood they are who they are for yeah. a reason and all we did was take their ideas and try and improve on them. And we had so much to do that I thought to myself, there's no way we can build a good pit crew and and practice when I'm working these guys 16 hours a day already on the car. Yeah. So we came up with the idea. And, uh, you know, at first it wasn't well received at at. I was going to ask. No. What, like what, uh, was the, what was the pushback? Um, Jim Johnson, who, who 
was the general manager there. I mean, obviously he had budget and there were people you weren't, you couldn't have extra people and whatnot. So we went out and got some volunteers and bought them sandwiches and this and that and found some Andy Papathana CU, found some guys. And one day Rick Hendrick rolls in there and he comes rolling in. You know, how Rick would just roll in on Saturday, check his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, and they're out there running around the field, rolling on tires, carrying one another in the back. And he's like, what the hell's going on here? So I explained to him what we were doing. And then he, he supported us. And, and I said, I, they don't need to know how to work on the car, you yeah. know, because that back then you could you could you could only have seven men over at one time, but they could go back and forth, yeah. right? And I said, so if the car's wrecked, we'll send the other guys over, and but we'll teach these guys how to do a pit stop. And and he supported us, and and uh, and yeah, again, he kept me from he kept me from getting fired there. I think Jimmy wanted to fire me more than once, but but uh, the pit crew thing just made so much sense to me, and that that helped us. A lot because we were pretty quick on pit road right off the bat yeah what what about the pushback from the actual mechanics that were getting pulled off the over the wall were they fine with that or um well we, since we didn't have a pit crew uh yet you know I, I explained to some of the guys that wanted to change tires that look you i need you here and we we you're not going to have time to pit practice and there were certain exceptions like chad canals we we'd let him out of the day but chad chad worked extra chad said look i'll get up at five o'clock in the morning i'll do my own workout or what can i do that and and let me i won't take lunch if you let me take an hour a day to, go to pit continue practice. pitting yeah. car yeah yep. so there so were some exceptions there were some exceptions yeah yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about the uh the srx you know this is a series that's been going on for a couple of years uh, a lot of people were really excited about it. You'd have, uh, you, you know, everybody, I don't know, by this point, there's probably different, you know, versions of what the series was, what it, you know, what it was supposed to be, what it became in a very quick period of time. But, you know, you had a lot of guys, current drivers, older drivers, retired drivers out there racing in a very short field, 12 cars, um, reminiscent of the old original IROC series done on short tracks a little bit more of a budgeted sort of style uh, event and made for TV. Um, when you started SRX, when the series is really kind of being built, are you the mastermind or are you feeling more of a partner? How much real control, creative control out of the gate did you have? Uh, well, the, the first year I was the creative control, right? Yeah. Um, I designed the cars. Uh, you know, right down to drawn the, the bodies. Worked with uh, with Tony Yuri and, and and the folks over at Fury, taking one of their chassis and modifying it. Um, but the actual look of the car, the race, the the the, the television format, uh, really everything. You know, the 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 look of all that stuff. So I was pretty much the creative control yeah. running the competition side and then um partners from new york sandy uh montag with tv and and george pine was uh was was enough sponsorship and bringing in investors but but as far as uh track format choices drivers uh all of that stuff you know did all that and loved it loved it you know it, it was um it was amazing right down to the point where would sit with pam miller and do the minute by minute tv stuff you know Mm -hmm. uh hands and everything and when i designed that series i wanted it to be a a a mini iroc a mini iroc for um drivers that uh again guys like guys like like you and jeff and tony guys that are retiring from the sport younger and younger but didn't really want to race but wouldn't mind doing something like that it was safer and and have a little bit of fun and made it you know a a special a motorsports entertainment made for tv type type series yeah did you um 
when de- when determining the tracks you were going to go to was that your goal out of the gate is to go to these local short tracks and f- and find these local audiences did you uh, ever think you know about you know iraq would go to michigan iraq was a companion event to a nascar weekend was there ever like an even early onset like very early early thoughts about where it was going to physically go yeah uh, i wanted to keep it you know, on a smaller track, you know, okay. you know, because of the speeds. We wanted to make sure, you know, that I just didn't want these guys running 180 miles an hour. Didn't, you know, didn't need to be at Talladega and Daytona, but they could have easily been, you know, um, at Martinsville or, or the dirt track at Charlotte. You know, we we absolutely looked at, at stuff like that or maybe shorten up a road course, you know, not run the whole right. yeah. the whole. <laughs> big track you know somewhere maybe you know shorter version of sonoma or, or somewhere and and love to would have seen that be a a companion event to uh to nascar and had conversations with indycar and people like that so feel like we were on our way with that so um you know the series got uh was well received um fans uh you know i paid a, a lot of attention to that and fans really um loved the alternative that it was and um and and it seemed like that that was you know that was it was it kept that sort of reputation all the way to the very end and people were disappointed to see it go away but talk to me about how it evolved and you eventually you know removed yourself from it entirely right and so i got to know right wh- what was going on and why did you make those decisions well when as with anything there's partnerships right and when you have a dream and you all agree this is the direction this is going to go on and this is the funding that it's going to take to do it. Here's my job, here's your job, yep. and here's his job, right? And you know, at the at the end of the year when when there's no moving forward, you know, financially or or or, or things like that, um, you have to have a hard conversation with the partners like, "Wait a minute, you know, this is what we agreed on. This is what I think it's going to take to be successful." And um, at that time, it didn't it didn't the other partners felt like it was going to take something else for it to be successful, or they could be successful a different way, and they didn't want to didn't want to do that. So I said, okay, well, you probably need to have somebody else run this then, because I don't believe that that path that you're going will be successful. And um, so I stepped aside and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that it's not been successful, yeah. right? I mean, I, it, you, the, the and the loser is the fan, yeah. right? The, the fans have lost, and and because there, it, it, the idea was good. The drivers supported it. They, they did. You know, they got the drivers supported it. They were having fun. They had all those things, but unfortunately, the business case or the business plan that they used was not successful. Um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of interesting um scenarios that popped up during this whole process um you know nascar wasn't entirely sure how to feel about srx um and especially when the current drivers were going and competing there i think that everybody nascar included loved the idea of chase getting to race bill and ryan and dave uh blaney being able to compete together and think the moments like that but you know someone just going to run to have a one-off or be a part of it was a bit questionable for some people in the industry and so was that a challenge at all trying to find a way to exist 
not only coexist alongside NASCAR, but also you, you certainly want to be an asset. You don't right. want to be anything that's a deterrent to NASCAR. You want to be an asset to them in any way possible. And so um, was that ever uh, – did that was that ever anything that made things difficult for SRX to succeed, or was that just something you hoped it was not a deterrent, it was not a problem, it was not a problem in in the productivity of SRX, uh, and you thought that eventually the you know the two could coexist and actually work together? Well, my plan never included running a bunch of uh, current Crack drivers. guys, yeah, one. Maybe two, right? Never really. Uh, that was never part of my plan. Okay, so that that happened in, in year two and three after I left. I have still to this day, you know, one of my proudest things is being a member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. right? So, and I have a great relationship with the France family, with Mike Helton, with with with, with Steve Phelps, and and all of that group. And we had several conversations about SRX. And about, hey, look, here's the lane. Here's what I'm doing with it. If this is, I'd like to use drivers once in a while. You know, and same with the IndyCar people. Like, but it was really about bringing in the the superstars that weren't racing full time anymore, and then mixing them with a local short track hero, which right. I think is really important. You know, local short yeah. track hero, and then you know, uh, a, you know, a current star from whether that's from road racing, IndyCars, you know, sprint cars, yes. whatever, and. It, it got turned off a base there, and, and, and I can't really comment on whether, I don't know whether yeah. that had any problem or not, but I can tell you that we worked hand-in-hand hand pretty good with, with NASCAR as, as we were doing it, and I have had, again, great conversations about where I plan on going with IROC, and as you know, that, that NASCAR now currently owns the historic sports car racing and, and, and looking at how we can get these vintage IROC cars back on track and then figure out where that goes where it goes from there but i think um once it got off to to being you know again a a bunch of current cup guys it became something much different Different. than i started it to be all right so you you step back um remove yourself entirely was it a slow process was that like is that quick <laughs> no it was like a, a pretty light switch quick, it was a pretty it was a pretty quick process you know the one of the things that uh, as as you know as you know me you've known me for a long time sometimes i say what's on my mind say it pretty yeah. quick you know that uh that was basically a phone call where you know I, I had i'd given all i could give and you know deep down when you give all you can give and somebody's yeah. telling you that just ain't right well i was like well you know what you all have a nice day i'm gonna go build old cars emotionally um as as you watch the srx continue emotionally any any challenge to you know watch it continue on down this other path and doing this oh yeah i mean i'd be lying if i said there wasn't i mean it's like watching watching your old girlfriend you know (laughs) going down and date with somebody else yeah you know and and you keep thinking man that that's not going to be good for you but but you know it, it was and um emotionally yeah it did bother me to see some of the changes that were made and some of the things that said some of the things that it was becoming that we had never intended it to do and i watched some of the turns that they made and i thought to myself that's not gonna it's just not gonna make it and, yeah and unfortunately they didn't do you think the srx series ever returns uh don't know i know that uh i know that there's i think there's a place for a series like that if it's done properly and there's a business case uh and that business case has to be really looked at and i don't think you can go from point a to point d like a rocket ship right you've got to go b c and uh so i I think that there's 100 percent a place for something like what irock was or srx was that is a form of motorsports entertainment because the fans need to be entertained yeah they need to be entertained 
That brings me to Iraq. Um, uh, you announced uh, last year that y'all had attained the rights uh, to the Iraq name, the mm-hmm. brand, right? Yeah. What does like that, that good even looking hat you're wearing, right? What does that, that even mean? Like, how does that? Uh, look, I know that you worked in Iraq years ago. I know you have a very, very personal connection to that, and I think the SRX was a was a version of that modern style of Iraq that you had in your mind, right? When do you when do you decide? Hey, I wonder if I can attain the rights, the the brand. I want to own that. When do you decide that? Well, we actually looked at it when I started SRX. I really wanted to do that, and again, that you know, we we were. It would have been a long process. You uh, wanted so SRX just to be IROC. I wanted IROC. SRX to be IROC. And that, that. what was the problem? Well, the other other partners didn't think that was something they wanted to do because they wanted to create their own brand. Didn't feel like IROC was a big enough brand. I, you oh know, wow! And pl- it was a little bit of you know, obviously it would have been a legal battle. And uh, I've gotten to be friends with Rob Kaufman, who I think is you know, he, Rob, Rob's a sharp guy and. He does so many other car things. We do a lot of car things together. Rob's a car collector. Like, I'm a car collector, and we do, like, Amelia Island, a lot of these yes. things together. And we were kidding around with that. So, man, I really like to get that. And Rob got involved, and um, Rob Rob has legal people and the trademarks and this and that. And uh, uh, one of the guys that helped us out a good <laughs> bit was a guy named Bruce Canaba. I don't know if you know Bruce or not, but Bruce knew the guy that had the the marks, and we were able to put a lot of things together to get the marks, and then we're lined up to, to get some more. So that gives us the right to use some more? that. So you, well, there's, you know, the as you're doing different trademarks, there's different, okay, you, you can go in this category, and then you can go in this category, and uh-huh. this category. So right now, we have the category that we can put on a racing uh, forms of racing, and obviously we can sell merchandise. Okay. Right? So we're working on on those things, and those are all different categories. Um, but uh, we were able to get it, and right now I'm trying to gather as many vintage IROC cars as I can to put on a, a big IROC reunion. And people have been, you talk about positive. We, we have people with IROC Z Camaros, and I found about 35 vintage IROC cars already. Yeah. And th- that, those are just from the people I know. So hopefully they're going to be, hopefully w- we can have this big reunion. We're shooting for the, the fall. And then we're going to figure out, okay, okay, wow, there's interest in this thing. And where do we go from here? But our goal is to to, to get those cars back on track and then then continue to see how popular it can get. Do you see this as a, a bit of a more of a, a, a historic meet and greet gather type where you're going to have your own cars, other people that may have IROC cars, uh, everybody comes together to enjoy the collections, but also have, you know, have some track day style events. People are going to want to know, will we ever see IROC as we knew it again, where you've got cars out on a racetrack going 180 miles an hour with the best current drivers in all forms of motorsports competing together. You're you're probably spot on for everything other than 180 miles an hour. I just don't feel like we need to be 180 miles an hour on a big track. I think we can go 150 on a small track and be bumper to bumper and put on good racing. You know, like you go and run your late model. I mean, if I remember remember the IROC cars when I was driving them, they were down 20, 15, 20 mile an hour from what a cup mm-hmm. car was doing around that racetrack. So, um, and I felt they were detuned. They were draggy. They were fun as hell. Um, you had to drive the shit out of them. And I felt completely safe because I never felt like I was going anywhere near the speed I was going to go in my cup car. Right. right. 
but like so maybe 180 mile an hour is a bad term but you know going to a mile or a mile and a half racetrack right and having uh having the original the original irock events you know is that are you are you basically like look we're going to start here Mm -hmm. see where it goes if that is a is that if that's a possibility you would you would entertain having the original concept come back to life oh my god yeah then that that's that's my dream you know but as we talked about before i want to make sure that i'm staying in my lane because i always want to be an asset not only to to nascar but to indycar because again those are our two american series yeah. right and you look at IMSA's getting really strong now too I, I believe that there's a place for IROC as I see it to fit in with any of, of those but I'll look in the eye and tell you my dream like my dream IROC would be to be able to 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 have this thing grow to to have country against country compete you know or, yeah. or something you know like that where where this is this standard car that you you know you you get to design what people want you know when whether you know uh, the whether you've got them on the game or how do you get people involved from involved from around the world but then you really bring in like how cool would it be someday if you let's just say you know if, if you could see lewis hamilton and uh joseph newgarden uh race kyle you, you know larson or so or somebody like that but yeah. in, a, in a completely different thing so that's that's a dream right but for right now we're, we're looking at okay how can i how can i make the first step and find out if there's interest create the business plan and get other partners involved like nascar indycar yeah i was wondering because i don't know you know i hadn't really ever heard you say okay you know this th- you know we, we're we all know that you're collecting the, the old cars. We all know that you want to kind of bring everybody who who loves IROC and loves the heritage and all that together in one place and have a have a you know a celebration of 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 the history. Um, but had never really heard you speak on it beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. And and what your what 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 your what the perfect world would be. I didn't know if you were hesitant to 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 go that far to to to. Uh, you know, because you definitely don't want to, you know, people will be like, oh man, well that, I'm excited about that. When's that going to happen? Right. Yeah. Now you set the tone. Right. But I will say anything that resembles the original IROC would be incredibly welcomed by NASCAR, IndyCar, all fans of every type of motorsport. I remember, and the one reason I think is because I remember when you'd walk into Michigan in the middle of the year, we personally are in the middle of this week-to-week grind in the NASCAR series, and you'd walk out on pit road, and there's Jim Salter and Dave Marcus uh, and and a couple of IndyCar guys and an F1 guy, and they're at your, they're in your back, they're in your backyard, yeah, right, and and you're gonna race them, and y'all are, it allowed this opportunity to interact with them. We would never see each other any other time during the calendar year. And now we're going to not only race together, but we're going to have conversations about, you know, our, our careers and the cars and IROC and, and what they think about stock cars and what they think about where, you know, our, our neck of the woods. And sign stuff. I, I've seen drivers get autographs from other yes. drivers in IROC. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so that was a great, that was the greatest thing about IROC. And I think that when you would watch Dad... Uh, before I became a driver in Iraq, when you would watch Dad 
running that series and any other cup driver, they enjoyed the opportunity to drive against these other racers that were great and expert, you know, experts in those disciplines. That everybody really enjoyed the competitiveness and the challenge and trying to trying to compete against each other. You were never going to race each other in any other way. This was never going to happen any other way. And so I think that that is what's special about IROC is that it's the, it's the one unique way that you do get to see a Lewis Hamilton and a Kyle Larson on the track against each other. You know what they say, well, you know, what's old is new again. There were certain reasons as a motorsports change that, that, that made IROC go away. Guys couldn't do this and this and that. But I think that we've come to a bit of a circle to we can, we can do that. Yeah. And I think, as I said, there's a way of mixing the names that people want to see yeah. and doing it and, and doing it now. But I got to share one funny story sure. about you. When you said Michigan and you were talking about your daddy again, man, one time at Michigan, they're getting after practice and then they're, uh, we used to have all the cars, all other cars lined up there. And, and by that time, you know, it was a Friday afternoon, I guess the names would be on them and all that stuff. And they were all sitting there mm-hmm. and he comes up to me and he grabs me by the back of the neck. He says, I want to talk to you. Like, okay. And I look, he's got on, his IROC fire suit and it's got all these damn sharpie marks on the by the belt <laughs> and he goes you see that he said look at why spoiler wears he'd gone up behind all the cars and leaned up against them and took his sharpie and his spoiler was about a quarter inch higher oh the other car and he marked them and then he goes uh, he goes and right here and then he's got his driving shoe on there and his, the lace and one of the laces is marked and then looking on his other foot the other lace is marked and he said and look here my my foot goes all the way up to this lace under my air dam and only goes it onto this lace and he'd been walking up and down pit road his car was marking. too high his car was too high he's gonna be slower <laughs> he was mad did you accommodate him uh yeah well you know i told you know it used to be tough but you know i'd have to go to jay and say hey jay you know we need to let that iron arch car down a little bit it it it, it it's about a quarter inch high in, in in the in the front, and we'll need to let down the back a little bit too. So we do that. Did you? The only thing back, I had, what's that? Did you go back? And ch- did you go check before you to make sure he wasn't lying? Oh, yeah, yeah. He I, was well, trick. I would make sure. Yeah, yeah. But he was a trickster. Oh uh, well, that the only time I ever had to chase him, you know, he before that on pit road there, they'd all be gone, and you had to keep an eye on him because he'd be over over by his right Messing front with it. right front tire. He'd be letting air out of the right front tire, you know, because them things used to push so bad. Yeah, <laughs> letting a little out of it, but it was uh it it was fun to work with him, uh, and uh, let me tell you, some of those other guys were 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 pretty competitive too. Had some 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 good IROC stories, you know. If guys would take it in the garage, and and you know, it'd get heated in there sometime, you know. Yeah. Bobby Ray Hall and Terry Labonte almost got into it one time. I remember what happened? To separate them. I guess uh, I don't know if Bobby spun Terry or uh, or Terry spun Bobby, but they were they were face to face. We had to separate them. Uh, can't, you don't see Terry too hot. No, but boy, when he, he but he, when he does get away from him. And I remember, <laughs> and, uh, Yerbo, Kelly Yerbo one time, one of the, uh, it was either Hans Stuck or Yilkin Moss spun yeah. him out. We were at Mid Ohio. Man, we get out, and you know how Kelly used to be, his, his face would get red, yeah. like, really red. He comes running up to me and he grabs me and says, Where's them Germans? Just like that, I said. Germans, <laughs> you know. He goes up there and he runs up there and he 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 grabs him. He's pointing and and I, the Germans are like, like, no, no, it was him. No, it was him. It was him. It was him. You know. So, That's funny. Like, NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor.
Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display. On Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at nascarhall.com. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. And, you know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. I want to transition uh, quite a bit, so we're going to make a big shift here, but want to move into some current things going on in the sport. Big conversation around charters. You were a car owner. I'm sure you have, uh, you know, you stayed on top of what, what's going on between NASCAR and the teams. And this is, I, uh, I don't have any skin in the game, right? I, in this particular situation, I'm not pulling for either side. Um, and there's no benefit to me one way or the other, however it works out. I find it very fascinating to see the sport in this position. I want it to end well. Right. I obviously don't want anything bad to happen that's a stain on our sport. Um, you have been an owner in the series, and you obviously have some close connections to HMS. You know, what do you think is the, what do you think is the eventual solution and resolution? Where do you, where do you, when do you think this thing, where do you think this is going to go? You know, th- that's hard to predict, right? As stuff, as stuff evolves. You know, when I when I keep talking about evolution, that you know, it, it's time and it's business and and sports now because of the value of of the to to TV to streaming to whatever really live sports is probably the most valuable thing on uh, on on all of television right now so as that's evolved and the NFL's gotten bigger and you know they're 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 the example you know what's the right thing to do can you know is NASCAR always going to be NASCAR or is that someday is that going to get sold to a big media company kind of like the formula one company so how uh, as all that evolves and i you can only hope that with all of the really really smart business people involved that they take their time and they 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 
try and figure it out so that make sure that that the loser isn't the fans right yeah. we don't want we don't want the fans to be the loser i know that um i believe that some of the cost containment that they've done with the the new car and some of those things are definitely in, in the right direction i will also tell you that i don't believe that that guys like roger penske and rick hendrick uh e- e- are probably able to keep things going without some of the connections that they have business to business right. with, with people. You know, I believe I believe Jeff when he says, "Look, they have you haven't made money in a long time." Rick does it uh, a lot of passion. So there's got to be some uh, there's got to be some business change to make that a viable a viable business right yeah. you know um and i don't i'm not privy to the numbers and you know the tracks the this yeah. the the that but if they if everybody gets really wants to to have that old hey a, a good deal is a good deal for everybody that's fair it'll work right but if one side or the other is too greedy i, I think the only one that's going to get hurt is the fans again no different than when we've had, when we've seen we've seen things split with whether that's indycar or, you know even formula one had a had a rough time yeah. for a while and and uh but it's uh it is a critical it is a critical time for sure but you know what we don't want to have and i know you don't want this either is three or four cars running up front and everybody else just getting passed yeah. right i find it pretty fascinating that um you know i th- i feel like that a lot of the investors at 2311 having experience in sports outside of nascar came in and they saw this business business model and they went wow this is different it's how we've always done it i think Five years ago, before 2311, the teams would have probably agreed to a similar deal that they're being offered today. But you have a lot of new people in the ownership side of it that are that are have experience outside of NASCAR and other forms of sport. Going, this is not a good model for the teams. This this model needs to change drastically. One of the things that's being asked from the, from NASCAR is that the um, charters become permanent, mm-hmm. um, and I I think. Yeah, I don't know whether I don't know where I feel whether how I feel about that. I think if you spend forty million dollars for one, you'd like to think that it's yours forever. Um, you know, you being an owner and 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 thinking, have you you know imagining what it would have been like to have had the charters back then? Um, all that investment that you made to start your team with Dodge, would you want? Wouldn't you want that charter to be yours? Yeah, I mean, I would. You know, when I again, I look at it, and you know, we talk about you know twenty three eleven coming in, and you know, even all the way back to when Rob Kaufman and, and those people come in. If, if our sport's going to continue to grow, right, it's going to have to attract the big money. You know, and then and, and a lot of these a lot of these people that are involved with have been in on, on you know the NFL, the you know NBA, Major League Baseball. Yeah. they see things in in a in a different light. So that's as I talk about that evolution, you know. Our, our sport's amazing. The, the the history of our sport's amazing, but it's also business-wise gotten so big, it, it's got to evolve. And, you know, if you are looking at the most successful, okay, if the NFL's the big, you know, here in America, yeah. that's that's the big dog, right? Those those franchises are permanent. I agree. When you look at Formula One, which is right now the most, again, most successful form of motorsports in the yeah. world. Those franchises are permanent. So I feel like at some point NASCAR's got to say, all right, you know, we've got back to 43 permanent franchises, and this is where they're at. Yeah. I hope, um, 
You know, the one thing that's tough for me to understand, though, when I look at it, um, and this isn't really a NASCAR or a team position, but the t- the the charter's selling for forty million dollars, right? Just damn, I should have hung on to my team. Yeah, <laughs> I could have bought charters for two million dollars just a few years ago from BK Racing. They were available yeah. for anyone. So with the increase in value, what's wrong with the business model? If the value in the charters going up so much, it makes me feel like that there there's there is some value. There is some you know if it can sell for forty million dollars, this isn't a worthless you know thing to own no it's definitely not you know and again i, I don't have all of the yeah. of the numbers but nor, nor you know, do i'm I. just yeah. sitting here and say okay look i get you but i look at it like man it's, it's got this this nice condo yeah. in florida and it's got got some equity in it now yeah. and you're like man i should sell that but if i sell it then i can't buy another one so yeah. now so like it, in the end it, 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 that charter really only has value if you're going to borrow against it mm-hmm. or if you're going to sell it yeah right so um if but the 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 business model of keeping your um team in place suppose you know so you're not taking a couple million bucks a year or out of your own pocket yeah. i think that that has something that's got to be looked at but again not knowing what the true numbers are you know unless those guys will come in here and throw and, and open up their books you know I, yeah. I don't know that we'll ever know there needs to be so all right for a per- person like myself like if is it okay that the charters will become like you can always anyone can walk in this door and say look man you had your chance you blew it right you didn't get in when it was affordable right it's no longer affordable for me now it is affordable for you know a guy who makes mil- hundreds of millions and billions of dollars, right? So is that the is that the market for the car owner that we have going forward? The billionaires, the you know the multimillionaires that are that are gonna you know be able to afford to buy that charter. So someone like me who's raced in this sport forever, the door and the the opportunity to go through that door and become a full time competitor in the Cup Series seems to have disappeared. Um, so I can only get in unless I, if I buy a $40 million charter, um, 20 years ago, I would just build a car and go. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, maybe that, maybe they keep, you know, a couple of spots open for somebody that wants to be in there. I think that's a good idea Maybe, too, but, but, you know, that, that as, as I talk about the evolution, whether we like it or not. You know that's the reality of where sports yeah. is right now to go. If you if you were a football player or a baseball player, basketball player, you'd be facing the, the same thing. You know you'd have to go start start yourself a high tech company, become a billionaire, and buy a basketball team. Go play. Yeah. You know it, it's uh it's it, it's it's unfortunate, but it it is it is the reality of, of where the evolution of the upper upper games are. I think that the the these um private equity groups or or big companies are going to own those things and you know unfortunately you know there'd be guys like me that you know would be general managers or you know what, what it is, is <laughs> yeah. it, you know it, it's uh it's just it's out of our uh out of our reach right now and and to stay healthy to be able to grow i think that's going to have to follow that path. yeah for sure all right so you've been an advisor at hms um are you still in that same role, or, or what? What is what involvement, if any involvement, do you have at the NASCAR level, at the at the 
at the elite top level? I don't really have uh, other than being a member of the Hall of Fame and being a, a good friends with with uh, Jeff and Rick and some people. I don't have any uh, you know any any official duties anymore. You know they know that. Um, I mean, I help with with some of the PR stuff and doing you know sure. this 40th anniversary and whatever. But really, nothing uh, nothing on the, on the the NASCAR level anymore. I'm 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 actually on the. Uh, um, I guess you'd call it the appellate board for uh, IndyCar racing. So if somebody nice. gets in trouble there, I get to sit on that. And I asked Jay Fry if he brought me in there just because I'd been up in front of the NASCAR board so See many how times. It went. You yeah. know? Uh, but no, really going to focus my going to put as much focus as I can on on this IROC thing for the next bit and see where it goes. Right on. All right, who wins the championship this year? Oh boy, you know me. It's uh it's I'm going to go with the Daytona 500 winner because he he's maturing and I said, "Man, when that when that that kid gets some time and some maturity and you know he seems to I really like his crew chief Rudy and I, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump right on the bandwagon right now and say this William's going to bring it home and plus I like the number on that car yeah William Byron he's uh you know he had a really good run last year uh starts the season off strong with a big win and and I think every every big milestone you may be able to help me with this as you and Jeff like achieve these massive milestones winning the first you know 600 at charlotte and going into winning daytona and indy the big those you know the confidence you get from those moments at, are far exceed like winning a race at rockingham or nothing to discount those wins but when you check big 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 boxes like the daytona 500 it changes you yeah as a driver people were saying i saw bob pockers and them saying it is it is it time to put more respect on williams name i mean the guy won six races last year was a favorite going into the championship might have been the favorite for the championship four there in phoenix i think there's plenty of respect on his name um but now he's a daytona 500 champion and um maturing at a rapid pace so i think it's a great pick next big innovation in nascar did when you look at the sport like what is the next thing that you think changes uh, it has a big impact on the sport. We've had the next-gen car come in. Um, we may have some new manufacturers coming in. We've heard that for a decade now, but there seems to be some more talk about that. But um, what's the next thing that changes? Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to see change. I don't know if it's going to That was my question. Yeah, my next I don't question. know. You're the, um, CEO, you're the CEO for a day. Okay. You got the reins. What are you I'd doing? Be, I'd be sitting in there like like Bill Jr. used to be right now and saying, boys, we've got to figure out a way to get these cars to stop wrecking when they're pushing. Yeah. You know, we can't, you know, we can't stop. We got to figure, got to figure out how we can do that. And we also got to figure out a way to get it more back on the people at the speedway racing when – I was sitting there thinking, man, it's tell me the Daytona 500 is a fuel strategy race, right? You know, it used to be handling, right? You, yes. you, know, you know, strategy like that, you know. So how do we, you know, I'd be I'd be challenging everybody at the table today. Say, look, I need two things from you guys. I need to figure out a way that we can stop these cars from from being out of control when they're pushing like that, and we can. How can we give? a few more tools back to the crew chief and the driver to make their cars more suited to them. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that. I was sitting there watching the Daytona 500, and after the first accident, they ran two by two for 40 laps. Like, no movement whatsoever in the entire field. And um, I couldn't believe. It was like it was orchestrated. 
uh, so perfectly. There was nothing else happening. No, no lead. Nobody was breaking free in the lead. I was like, what is going on? And, um, you know, it goes to the fuel mileage and, and they were put in that situation because of the yellow flags falling at a unique, unique time. But, you know, that the racing to racing to fuel mileage and racing, running the race backwards, like you do at a road course, it, it has become much more prominent in a lot of different racetracks that we go to. Um, but yeah, I would, I agree with you. I was sitting there watching that Daytona 500, had the exact same opinions and thoughts about, man, we got to get the cars to where they're handling. They're chasing them up the track. They're lifting. They're, you know, somebody's car drives better. They drive away. Yeah. You know, not I, this all stuck on top of each other and, 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 uh, you know, crescendoing into a big crash as we get to the end of a stage or ultimately the end of the race is, not a lot of fun. What right? if I'd have said to you back if if I was your crew chief and I said, Hey, I, I need you to run I need you to run fifty two percent throttle, you'd be like, yeah. What, dude? I'm at Daytona. Yeah. I gotta be on the ground. Yeah. You know, boom. Right. It's it's you know, again, there's there's certain parts of evolution you're not going to change, but but we 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 need to be thinking about directing some of that because when I buy a ticket, I want to see the athlete perform. Yeah. I want to see the athlete perform. I don't want to see the car perform. Yeah. I don't want to see the computer perform. I come to watch you drive. Yeah. I come to watch Jeff drive. You know, I I and we need to get it back in those those hands a little bit. Yeah. Well, man, um, I appreciate you coming and joining us today. Um, excited about the book. Hopefully, uh, you're getting some great feedback on on the book so far. I'm sure I'm going to get some good stuff and some bad stuff, but I don't yeah. have to tell you when you write a book. You know, you, you you it it's like you know you put yourself out there, and I did the very best I could to to tell the truth and and to tell to really think about what I, I was feeling. I might have exaggerated here and there you know, back <laughs> when I was running modifies, talking about how good I was or something like that. But but other than that, you know, it, it was really. Um, about how I feel like I have changed as a person. And that's a tribute to all of the people who who helped me along the way, you know, like, and they don't even know they helped me, but I want them to know that they helped me. Yeah. Well, if you're a race fan and and, and uh, certainly if you follow Jeff Gordon's career and Ray's career, Trophies and Scars, Ray Evernham, it's a great book. Uh, a lot of great, a lot of great books coming out this year. You want to, well, you want to have this one, you want to read it, you want to understand all the things that went on in Ray's career great job by that great job on that book and uh hopefully you get a lot of great feedback and i know that when um in my experience being able to put that truth out there really was a relief and then the the, you know the response from it uh to your point like you know a lot of people that may not have understood your decisions now knowing what was what was in your mind it's extremely helpful to sort of put some things to bed and move forward in life so hopefully that's the experience you have ray uh we're wishing you the best Thank you, man. Really appreciate your time. You got to come, uh, come see my rock cars someday. I need to, man. I love see. Hey, before you leave, what is the next car you're looking to find? What's the one out there that's missing? Is there a car that you're looking for? You don't know where it is. You'd love to have it. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you what. There, there's there's a bunch of cars out there, but I've been so wrapped up in this iRock stuff. And I'm looking at there. There's there's still some. Gen, you know, IROC Generation One Camaros, yes. and Generation Two Camaros that uh, that that have not been found. And when I say that, it's IROC Generation, so seventy four to seventy six, I think, was first gen. And but those those cars, the, those seventy seven to eighty cars, man, they're the they're they're the ones that, they're I, cool. that I really like. Yeah. yeah, they were good looking, man. There was like a that was like a stock bodied yeah. Camaro. Uh, well, hopefully, uh, maybe somebody will hear this one, uh, this podcast, and 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 steer you toward one. 
and and get you what you're looking for, buddy. Appreciate you, Ray. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Ray Evernham on the Dale Jr. Download. Man, that was a great conversation with Ray. I um, there's some good nuggets in there. Uh, the story about Dad's team and his team having a one, you know, the Crucies having a one way uh, single radio channel to talk during races is is something I'd never heard before. And um, also hearing his vision for IROC, you know, I think he's he's certainly that's a massive vision. That's ambitious to think that there would ever be any kind of version of the original IROC. I really don't know if if that's possible in this day and age. Ray, open-minded to it, thinks there is a way forward to get there. Um, And I think we're all pulling for that to happen. So either way, I love the fact that he um, restores some NASCAR history and um, stock car history. He's always been a big proponent of that. And that's really what's brought me and him together over the last several years was our passion for the history and the physical history of the cars and so forth i have a car maybe more than one in my junkyard that ray gave me out of his own personal collection that was a not it was a car that's crashed really hard at daytona it's not a car that we would restore um but he's like hey do you want this i'm like great great addition to the uh to the graveyard so i didn't know ray at all really up until I started uh, racing at Hendrick Motorsports. And Ray talked about coming in as an advisor around the 2014 season. Now Ray's sitting in our competition meetings at a table similar to this. And I got to really uh, get to know him, really talk to him for the first time. I didn't expect us to become friends because I looked up to him and didn't think that he would have any interest in, in having any kind of friendship with me. Uh, because of you know where he was in his life and all the things that he was involved in and what he accomplished, but we became friends and and um, I'm thankful for that. So it's great to have him back on. Great show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Thank you again, Ally. No matter what you're saving for, uh, whether it's race tickets, whether you're going to buy a car or even a house, uh, we're all better off with an Ally. And Ally's going to set us straight and on the path forward. So thank you again. Um, ally for everything you do for us here at um, Dirty Mo Media and everything you do in the NASCAR industry. You're a great partner for all of us, so thank you. White flag. Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi recap the action from Daytona Monday night. Um, it was hilarious to hear Jeff talk about his two days wearing Jordan's pink suit. I actually got to see uh, Gluck out on pit road, and he could not wait to take that thing off after the, after the Monday races. Denny Hamlin has returned from Daytona, and he's going to relive his night running in the Daytona 500 on Actions Detrimental. Make sure you check that out. Door bumper clear. They returned from Monday with a special guest, Bubba Wallace, this week. Um, that should be a lot of fun. He had an exciting announcement to make on the show, so make sure you tune in for this week's Door Bumper Clear. Another episode of Speed Street drops today. Um, tune in to Connor and those guys and see what all is going on in their world. And Dirty Mo Doe with Steve Letarte returns tomorrow to preview the next race in the season in Atlanta. So you'll want to tune in to see who, th- who Steve thinks is uh, going to take the win, who's, who's, who's going to run well. And if you like to bet, who you might want to put that bet on. Check out our Dirty Air show from yesterday, recapping the Daytona 500. Amy was a special guest. William Byron calls in. We talked a lot of crap, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've got a new Dell Jr. Download spinoff podcast called DJD Reloaded. 
And I hear we'll be playing more driver reactions on whether or not they give a toe for a championship. I wanted to hear those in our Tuesday show, but you'll have to wait for the Thursday show to see what all, all the other drivers had to say. Also, I want to hear from you, the fans. So bring your best reactions and opinions from our shows this week or from the Daytona 500 weekend. You know, we'll be paying attention. I'll be listening to see what you guys can bring to the table. Call our new number to voice those opinions at 704-584-9703. Give us a call, 704-584-9703 to be on that Thursday show, DJ D Reloaded. Y'all have a great week, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.